Hi, I'm Sean. I don't normally talk like this with a husky voice, but you know, when you've got a cold, that's how it is. Don't worry, it is a cold before you start thinking of anything else, but it's definitely um, a cold. Yeah, I have known um, Gary and Andy and Sarah for quite a while. It's quite telling when one of the questions that you ask when you get back together is, how long have you got until the birthday with a zero at the end? <laughs> and um, Andy and I did that right at the start of this evening. So um, yeah, we've known each other a long time and it just feels so wonderful to be back um, here. I came here first three years ago and then I popped up online during the pandemic. Do you remember when we were all shut down? Like it seems bizarre that we ever had to do that now but yeah so thank you for the welcome. I'm sorry that I've brought Welsh weather with me but just for tonight you are East Wales <laughs> because Wales is very much on my heart. Wales is my calling. Wales is where I'm out working my mission. Wales just, oh, it's my passion. But do you know what? It's a privilege to come to Basingstoke and hear you sing as though you were Welsh. So thank you. Um, I particularly appreciated the harmonies. But talking about singing, Waymaker. What an amazing name for God. Have you ever felt stuck? Ever felt like you're just hitting your head against a brick wall and that there's not going to be a breakthrough? Well, God would say to you this evening that he is a waymaker. What's the next phrase? Waymaker, miracle worker. You only ever get a miracle if you need one. And I don't know what miracle you might need here this evening, whether it's a breakthrough in some relationship or in your finances or a situation that feels stuck. Or maybe you need healing or maybe your heart is broken and you feel like the Lord just needs to mend your broken heart. He is the miracle worker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Do you know what? If you're holding on to prophetic words that perhaps you had 10 years ago, 20 years ago, God is not a man that he should lie. He is the promise keeper. And if you've been stewarding those prophetic words, let me just encourage you, keep going. His promises are yes and amen. And I really need somebody to smile because you're very deep in thought. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Doesn't this world feel like it's gone a bit nuts? Whether that's Ukraine or Afghanistan or this cost of living crisis where I'm feeling quite cozy here tonight. You know, I haven't even switched the heating on at home yet. Has anyone else? Like, what is this all about? There's got to be more than this. And there is. And his name is Jesus, amen? And so tonight, whatever state you have arrived in, I want to tell you that Jesus is here. And whatever you need him to minister to you tonight, he wants to know about it. But anyway, that was all off script, so... Um, <clears throat> Pridget. Oh, Gary, it's so good to be back here. Thank you so much for the invitation, genuinely. Really, really am honored to be here. And I never, ever, ever, ever take the opportunity to open the word of God lightly. Please, I've prayed over this. I've studied over this. And um, just want you to know that I've come prepared and I'm prayed up. And I feel like God has spoken. So, yeah, come Holy Spirit. I just want to start by showing you a photo 
Now then, obviously, I hope you recognize that I'm one of the two people in this. <laughs> the glorious young lady um, just to my side is one of my God children. And this God child has turned out particularly well, I think you'll find, because um, although she hails from Lincoln, she has chosen to come to Cardiff for university, which is just 20 minutes away from where I live. And so all the prayers that I've prayed for her over the last 18 years have actually worked. And she's come close to Auntie Shani to live for four years, which basically means that I'm doomed to cooking Sunday roasts for four years. But that's okay. This beautiful young lady's mum and dad spent the whole nine months of pregnancy trying to decide what to call her. You see, her mum's a teacher, and if there are any teachers here this evening, you'll know that over the course of many years of teaching, you associate a name with either good behaviour or bad. Amen? Oh, yes. <clears throat> and so, even up to three days after her birth, she did not have a name until I got a phone call saying that we have decided to call her Grace. Because you never hear of a thug or a bully in the playground called Grace, do you? That's not going to happen. So here is my beautiful Grace, now a resident of the diff, as we call it, and forever my favorite, for now, Godchild. What is your name? Turn to somebody just around you and, and ask them two things. Number one, what is your name? And then second of all, do you know what your name means? Go. Got it? Has anybody got a really peculiar name or meaning of name? Anybody? What's your name? Princess Sarah. Princess Sarah. Yeah, well, exactly, because that's the meaning of your name. Anybody got something a little bit strange? Nobody. Go on. Oh, well, that, that makes perfect sense. That's fine. That's a good one. I don't know if you heard that, but a sea mollusk, which is crushed to make purple dye for royal robes, is it? Oh, that's fine. That's completely normal. Listen, guys, I am the second born in our family. My mum was given the dubious pleasure of naming my brother, and she named him Philip, which means lover of horses. No, that's daft. Come on. <laughs> if my brother was here, I'd be really ripping into him right now. But my father was given the honor of naming me. And um, you see, Sean is Welsh for Jane, which is the feminine of John. And who was Jesus' favorite disciple, the one he loved? John. Therefore, Sean must mean God's favorite, right? I'm also in the Bible, Colossians, Ephesians, but we won't go there. 
The only thing I will say is that it might be worth noting that the vicar's cat was actually called Sean at the time that I was born. So let's not give dad any credit. I did a quick Google search to find out the meaning of your beloved leaders. Gary. Spear. Germanic in origin, apparently. But you, my friend, are a spear. We've already found out what Sarah's name is, princess or woman of high ranking. And Andy, your parents did well, didn't they? <clears throat> Andrew means manly, courageous, brave, strong, warrior. What a power couple you've got at the front of your church. You know, on the whole, in Western society, Unless you have the honor of naming a child, we don't generally pay too much attention to the meanings of the names that we hear. Essentially, we just use names to distinguish one person from the next. But our names carry meaning. They represent us to others. Names aren't as important today as they were in ancient culture, where they were linked to family heritage and were thought to reveal something about the nature and the character of that person. Now let's think for a second about the names that we attribute to God. And you'll see just how true this is. Creator, almighty, the God who sees, provider, Lord, healer, prince of peace, Lord of hosts, our rock, our refuge, our shield, fortress, strong tower, our shepherd, consuming fire. Eternal one, God most high, Emmanuel, Messiah, Christ, living God, cornerstone, mighty God, rabbi, morning star. Isn't that a beautiful name? Light of the world, alpha, omega, savior. I could go on and on and on and on. But each of those names provide us with a window into the very nature and character of God. Each of his names is a revelation of who he is. And of course, Jesus. Jesus is the name above all names. Amen? His name carries authority. At his name, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. And you know, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John had been going up to the temple to pray when they come across this guy who had been lame from birth and he's begging outside the temple gate called Beautiful. Now, what he thought he needed, of course, was money. But Peter said to him, silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And of course, Peter and John help the man to his feet and his ankles get strong and he starts to walk and jump around and praise God. The man had been healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name has power and authority. Then in Acts chapter 4, we read of Peter and John having to defend what had happened in front of the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law in Jerusalem. And they were asked outright, By what power or name did you do this? And Peter's like, well, it's by the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
perhaps there's somebody here tonight who is in need of healing. Can I encourage you? Don't leave tonight without having received prayer. The name of Jesus carries power and authority. The name of Jesus stands above all sickness, disease, illness. His name is the name above all names. Don't walk out of here without having received prayer. Names carry power. They give you clues as to the nature of a person. You might have heard of the account of Abigail's husband, a man called Nabal in 1 Samuel 25. He was the guy who hurled insults at the messengers who sent kind, nice, friendly greetings on behalf of David. And he caused David to summon 400 men to war against him. Dear me. Now, thankfully, Abigail, being obviously the brains in the, the partnership, she intervened and averted any bloodshed by begging David to pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. You see, Nabal, sadly, was as foolish as his name suggested. But his name needn't have defined who he is. Later on in the Old Testament, we hear the account of Jabez, who was an honorable man, but his name means what? Do you know? Pain. Imagine calling your son pain. His mother had given birth to him in pain, yes, and she'd assigned a name to him accordingly. Now, I'm not a mother in the physical sense, but I would imagine that every birth is painful, right? So why would you, as a mother... What was that? Right. It's good when the men speak on behalf of the women. Jim, bless you. You're absolutely right. Why would this mother choose to call her beautiful newborn pain? You've got to wonder if there were some negative circumstances behind her pregnancy because naming her son after the pain that she'd gone through just in labor, it seems a little excessive. But what's so impressive about Jabez is that he understood that a name defines a person. And so he went to God himself to ask God to free him from it. Have a listen to 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. You see, the enemy loves to speak negativity over us, whether that's failure Disappointment, ugly, unloved, sinner, embarrassment, mediocre. But if that's a name that you've started to call yourself, then maybe tonight you need to come to the Lord and ask him to free you from it. Only God can release us from the sting of the labels that other people stick on us. If we fail to reject negative names, they become part of our internal 
narrative. They start to shape our core identity. You see, what we believe on the inside shapes how we behave on the outside. How we see ourselves often determines how we live our lives. And damaged people can damage people. Everything that we do is a result of what we think. Thoughts can have creative power. As Proverbs 23 verse 7 says in the KJV, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So it's little wonder then that Romans 12 encourages us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, if our hearts and our minds are full of negativity, it affects our self-worth, it rattles our emotions and feelings, it challenges our relationships, and it can even be detrimental to our health. So let me ask you gently tonight, who or what gets the greatest airtime in your mind? Is it negativity or positivity? And which of these two will you respond to? The enemy has names for us, but God speaks a better word. He speaks love and delight. Do you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself from smiling as we sang, I am a child of God. How bonkers is that? And we sang it again, and the smile got bigger, and we sang it again, and the smile got bigger, and I thought, whoa, this is crazy, I'm going to erupt. I am a child of God. Why? Because he has lavished love on me. What a beautiful reminder from the Lord this evening. You see, God does speak delight, acceptance, forgiveness, and hope over our lives. If you want to know what God thinks about you, just open his word. Ask him to show you your true spiritual name. The enemy would have us stuck in the past, but the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Oh, that we would live in the newness and the fullness of Christ and in our new identity. But you see, that's exactly what God does. Because in the Bible, God often changed a person's name in order to mark a new phase or a new era in a person's life. In Genesis chapter 7, we read of God saying to Abram, no longer will you be called Abram, which means father. Your name will be Abraham, which means father of many. For I have made you a father of many nations. I'll make you really fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. And this, of course, was in line with the promises that God has spoken over Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. And not only did God change Abraham, sorry, Abram to Abraham, he changed Sarai to Sarah, who would become a mother to many. You see, what God calls you and I is far more important than what others have called us. And it describes who we're meant to become. In fact, dwelling on your new name is a pathway 
to walking in the fullness of what God has for you. Loved. Delighted. Treasured. Believed in. God speaks a better word over your life. Words that are bursting with positivity. Why live life at 30% when taking on board his thoughts about you mean that you can live life to the full? Are you living life at 30%? God didn't just change the names of Abram and Sarai. Do a quick Google, because obviously that's our theological go-to these days. Do a quick Google of all the names that God changed in the Bible, and there are loads. Think of Jacob, whose name actually means deceiver, becoming Israel, which means prince of God. Think of Hadassah, who means myrtle, becoming Esther, meaning star, when she became queen. Think of Simon, meaning wavering reed, whose name was changed to Peter, meaning rock, after he acquired a new destiny and purpose. Think of Saul, becoming Paul, after he met with the Lord on the road to Damascus. New names brought about new purpose and identity. God doesn't just see us as we are now. He sees who we will become. Let me say that again. He doesn't just see who we are now. He sees who we will become. Old and negative names will only rob you of your destiny in God. But the new is here. What is God speaking over you? And what name will you respond to? The glorious thing is, we can actually accelerate the process of being transformed by simply speaking life over one another. You know, nobody ever died from too much encouragement, and yet there are people out there who only really hear a kind word or a word of encouragement spoken over them. And I think they actually become more scarce the older we get. I think we're quite good at encouraging kids and young people and students, but the older we get, the less encouragement we receive. And so can I ask you, church, to become a church of encouragers, people who speak life into one another's situations and circumstances, people who accelerate that process of the new has come, the old is past. What about it, church? Who might you call out the gold in? Whew. Come, Holy Spirit. What is God speaking over you? Many people will be familiar with the story of Joseph. He was that dreamer, wasn't he, with the, the multicolored anorak. And I really wish it was an anorak, because I'd love to have seen that word in the Bible, but hey. But not many people know the story of his brother, his younger brother, Benjamin. Joseph and Benjamin's mother was called Rachel, and she had spent almost her entire married life wanting to bear sons for her husband, Jacob. Now, Jacob, this is in brackets on my... Uh, notes Jacob had other women in his life but Rachel was his favorite 
Let's skip over that. But let me read to you the account of Benjamin's birth in Genesis 35, verses 16 to 18. While they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni, but his father named him Benjamin. So realizing that she was dying in childbirth, Rachel named her new son Benoni, which means son of sorrow or son of trouble. Can you imagine? I mean, Jabez to be called pain. But son of trouble? Son of sorrow? Maybe in her weakened state, she could only see misery. I mean, after all, he was going to grow up without his birth mother. But just imagine if that name had have stuck. Every time somebody used his name, he would have been reminded of his mum's sorrow. Every time, you know, his dad called him in for lunch, he would have thought, well, those are negative words. But thankfully, his dad, Jacob, had the presence of mind to change his name from Benoni to Benjamin, which means son at my right hand. You see, Jacob wasn't in the throes of pain or death. And so he knew that Benjamin's destiny was as Abraham's great-grandchild. Jacob knew that Abraham had been promised blessing and descendants. Therefore, the word of God rested on his newborn son. So Jacob spoke life rather than death. And calling him son at my right hand, he spoke of intimacy, he spoke of authority, he spoke of influence, inheritance, power, and favor. Jacob knew that had his son remained Benoni, he would have been renewing the remembrance of Rachel's death every time he spoke his name. And so he changed it to Benjamin, son at my right hand. Maybe... There are people here tonight who have gone through sadness and disappointment. And those experiences have thus far defined the internal narrative of your life. I wish I could look each one of you in the eye and say, you are not Benoni. You are Benjamin. You are not Benoni. You are Benjamin. Your father has changed your name. Rather than seeing you dwell in negative labels and identities, God speaks a new name over your life. Negativity doesn't have to get hold of you. You have a future and a destiny and a hope. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. I really feel the weight of what I'm speaking. Not because I, I think I've got a great message. I just feel God is speaking. You are not Benoni. You are Benjamin. You are not Benoni. You are Benjamin. So we're going to allow some time in a minute for 
some prayer ministry, and I'll explain that in just a second. But whew, I wonder if there's anybody sitting here tonight who, who doesn't know Jesus. If there's anybody here tonight who hasn't yet become a Christian. I've talked loads about, you know, the past is gone, the new is here. But that happens when we allow Jesus into our lives. And so I'm wondering, you know, if there just happens to be anybody here tonight who perhaps hasn't even had an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Perhaps you've never been invited or given the opportunity just to say yes to God and to make your peace with him. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you, God loves you. He thinks you are the best thing that he's created. How do I know that? Because in Genesis, in the Bible, the first book of the Bible, it tells me that everything God created, he approved of. God approves of you. He loves you. He has got an amazing plan for your life. But the Bible says that we've fallen short of the standards of God. Anybody here who is imperfect? That's my hand straight away up. Anybody here just a little bit broken? Anybody here a bit of a mess up? My hand is still up. Anybody here a bit embarrassing at times? Maybe I should put two hands up. We are all a little bit broken. We are all a mess up. The Bible calls it sin. But that brokenness separates us from a relationship with a perfect God. But that's not the end of the story. You know that cross that we so often see on churches? That cross is where Jesus died to carry your mess-ups, your brokenness, all the embarrassments, all the wrongdoings. Why did he do that? Because he needed to carry the weight of all that so that you and I could be restored to relationship with God. That's all good. But nothing changes unless we do. And so I'm going to ask you in a totally non-English, non-British way, have you made your peace with God? We can get that sorted tonight. Only you will know if you're right with God. And if you're not, come and get some prayer this evening. And we'll ask him, you can ask him to forgive you and to restore you to relationship with him. But then there's a second group of people here tonight, people who have perhaps worn labels that they've inherited. They've worn negative labels from ill-judged words. Perhaps you've got poor self-esteem and you've got a lack of understanding of who you really are in Christ Jesus. And I want to invite you as well to receive prayer this evening. Do you remember Jabez? Jabez understood that a name defines a person. And so he took the negativity to God himself and asked him 
to free him from it? Are you wearing those negative labels? My prayer for this evening has been that nobody would walk out under a cloud of negativity, but that you'd walk out with your shoulders back high, your head held high, with a smile on your face, knowing that you are a child of God. So shall we pray? I wonder if the band could please come back up. Let's pray. Father, I've really felt the weight of what you're speaking tonight. Maybe it's because I've known negative labels. But Father, I've also known the release from negativity. And I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you would break through here this evening. That there would be release, Lord Jesus, from hurtful, harmful words. From words that have hurt and messed up and changed our inner narrative. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would sing a new song of delight over these people. Just do your work, Holy Spirit. Move, breathe over us. You are not Benoni. You are Benjamin. Benjamin.